You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. Happy Monday, everybody. Another Monday, another jam-packed weekend of basketball news, uh, finals games, and actually a little bit of Timberwolves news as well. So uh, we will basically recap the weekend, the news, talk about the finals, talk about some Wolves notes from the weekend, uh, uh, several local articles in the Twin Cities papers about uh, Gerson Rosas, Ryan Saunders, their mindset at this time, and then also a an, an NBA draft prospect who is not projected to be a top, you know, call it a top three pick. Uh, but he thinks specifically the Timberwolves should take him at number one and spoke a little bit specifically about the Wolves and what his fit could be. So we'll talk about that here in a minute as well. First, a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. That's at Lockdown T-Wolves, at Lockdown T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right, so first up, um, NBA Finals. Uh, the Lakers took a commanding 2-0 lead. Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic missing game two, and I guess that was way back on Friday night, so I don't want to rehash that one too much, but uh, basically it, it kind of sort of looked like this series was going to be over pretty quickly, and especially when it was announced that both Adebayo and Dragic were going to miss game three on Sunday, it was, uh, you know, it really felt like it was going to be 3-0. I think the line was eight and a half points, the Lakers by eight and a half. And it really did not feel like, uh, like this was like the heat. We're going to have a, a, a chance, frankly. Uh, but Jimmy Butler came out and did everything that those of us who watched Jimmy Butler play for the wolves and, you know, bulls version of Jimmy Butler knew he could do. He basically LeBron, the Lakers had a triple double 40 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds, two steals and two blocks in 45 minutes, shot 14 of 20 from the field, 12 of 14 from the free throw line, zero three-point attempts for Jimmy Butler. He basically did the Jimmy Butler bulldog thing where he uh, he just bulldozed the, uh, a, lot of, a lot of alliteration here, the Jimmy Butler bulldog thing where he bulldozed his way through the Lakers and the Lakers kind of gave up. It's like he was just kind of bludgeoning them over and over. And, I mean, the the Heat built a, a decent lead and the Lakers actually took a couple of brief leads in the fourth quarter, but then the heat and by the heat, I mean, basically Jimmy Butler kind of just fought his way back and, and, uh, the heat ended up winning by 11 points. It it wasn't, it wasn't a blowout by any means. Again, the Lakers had a fourth quarter lead, but Jimmy Butler is the one who pretty much single-handedly won this game for the heat. There were some other guys that had some nice lines. Tyler Hero had 17 points, but it took him 18 shots to do it. Kelly Olenek had 17 off the bench and seven rebounds, um, and shot three of five from beyond the arc. But I mean, the heat as a team, I mean, Tyler Hero, Jay Crowder, and uh, Duncan Robinson combined to shoot, what, seven of, of 25 on three-pointers. So they weren't impactful. Um, nobody else attempted more than four free throws in this game other than Jimmy Butler. Uh, I mean, without without Duncan, or excuse me, without um, Adebayo and without Dragic, it was fair to assume that things were just not going to go well for the Heat. But Jimmy Butler basically just took control of this thing. Anthony Davis only had 14 points on nine shots. 
LeBron James is like the only guy that showed up for the Lakers, but even he towards the end of the game was just kind of letting things happen and didn't, didn't feel completely engaged. And, And it's not specific to LeBron, but obviously he's their leader as a team. The Lakers were basically reduced to letting Markeith Morris just launch threes. And I mean, he made five of 11 and had 19 points, six rebounds off the bench in only 25 minutes. But uh, I mean, it was pretty much just the Lakers kind of sort of mailed it in. And then as, as they came back into it, it was really only LeBron doing anything and and a few threes from Kuzma and Morris. And and then, and then that was it. Jimmy Butler said no more. And, um, and he was Jimmy Butler. I, I mean, it's really incredible. And in the modern game, 40 points on 20 shots, no threes, 12 of 14 free throws, and Butler just kind of has embraced this. I'll just, I'll just bully the other team and allow the shooters around me to knock down threes, which they didn't actually do at that successful of a clip in this game. But uh, that formula has worked for the Heat. We'll see if Adebayo and or Dragic could come back for game four. But now this this series is actually, it's fairly interesting. I mean, what's Butler's encore performance going to look like? Um, and actually going back, so to tie the Timberwolves into this a little bit, when Jimmy Butler was with the Timberwolves, there was a... Uh, pretty well documented that the prior to being with the wolves with the bulls, he was Jimmy, but I mean, I wouldn't call him a LeBron stopper, but he's one of the few guys in the league that you could put him against LeBron, either LeBron's guarding him or he's guarding LeBron and more than hold his own. He rises to that challenge. He's big, he's physical. And that's one of the few ways you can actually beat LeBron James is by being physical with him and trying to, to, uh, you know, not shrink or cower in his presence. And Jimmy Butler doesn't do that. He goes right at you. And we saw that a little bit with the Timberwolves. We certainly saw that previous to the Wolves when he was with the Bulls. Um, and and Jimmy Butler rose to the moment. And he he battled LeBron James toe for toe and was better than him in this game and better than everybody on LeBron's team. And it wasn't particularly close. So we'll see how the Lakers bounce back in game four. We'll see if Adebayo Dragic can come back, if Butler can have a, a successful encore performance and do this again. It'd be a lot of fun to see this be a two, two series. I, I mean, I, I don't have a specific rooting interest. I don't, I'm not as a Timberwolves follower. I'm not particularly psyched to see Jimmy Butler actually win a title after forcing his way out of the last two teams he was on. However, I enjoy watching Jimmy Butler play. I think he's a, uh, he's a fun alternative to, to the way that the basketball is played now. And it's, it's just kind of fun to see Jimmy Butler do things really kind of the, um, it's a more modern version of the late nineties, early two thousands NBA, if you will. Um, and it's fun to see him do it. I think ultimately the Lakers win this series, but I do think the heat will, will win one more game. I don't know if it's game four or game five, but I think the heat will win one more. I think it'll go to six and the Lakers will win fairly easily going away here at the end of the series, but good to see things get competitive. Good to see things, move in a way that, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to follow the next couple of days. So, so game, what is this going to be? Game four will be Tuesday night at eight o'clock on ABC. Um, and again, no idea what the, uh, no idea what the, the injury situation is going to be for Miami at that point, but it'll be something to look out for. All right. Next up, I want to talk about wolves notes from the weekend. I want to get into talking a little bit about the draft. We're not going to do big board today. Pick that one back up on Tuesday, but, um, want to get into some of those wolves notes and draft related notes as well. Before we do that, Let's talk about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. 
A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today, connect with a healthcare professional, and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. The Timberwolves in-market bubble is over. It wrapped up with a scrimmage, actually three scrimmages. We talked about one last week. There were a couple more towards the end of the week and over the weekend. And there were quite a few articles across uh, the local scribes in the Twin Cities, Star Tribune, Pioneer Press, and The Athletic, primarily. Those those beat reporters were all really active. There's a little bit of reporting on the Wolves website of the weekend. There were um, there was uh, last Wednesday, the team went to Top Golf. And Thursday, they did their final scrimmage. They had a sudden death overtime. Jake Lemon apparently won a, uh, a scrimmage winning overtime basket, according to the Timberwolves.com article by Shabazz Khan. And, you know, cool that the Wolves got to do this. Cool that, you know, it's, it's certainly deflating a little bit that Carl Anthony Towns was not present after the individual workouts. Malik Beasley, I believe, left after the individual workouts, and then, of course, was arrested last weekend. And then D'Angelo Russell left at some point, just kind of reading between the lines. It doesn't look like he was involved in the scrimmages, at least didn't see him at all. And I feel like that's something that would be focused on, but he was clearly there for the first part of team workouts. So he was there for part of it. Um, disappointing, but again, I, you know, I don't want to drag these guys. It was a voluntary, voluntary camp. We talked about Carl Anthony Towns kind of, you know, it's been a week now since he's been like really in the news and, and I don't really want to get back into it. I think that's been covered and I'm sure that Towns and the Timberwolves have, uh, have discussed Towns and hopefully Ryan Saunders, Towns and Gerson Rosas have discussed his lack of a lack of presence, I guess, um, at at this uh, this camp. There were a few articles written over the weekend. Um, Gerson Rosas spoke to a, a couple of different reporters. Chris Hine at the Star Tribune gave he gave some support for Malik Beasley. Um, he gave a quote basically saying he's family. We're going to support him. We'll do, you know, we're going to do the best we can to support him, but there's legal processes. We want to have him back. And, and basically he just said he wanted him, wanted him back with the team. So we'll see how that turns out. And then he also gave an interview with John Krasinski at the athletic and talked about big picture and how important this camp is for uh, the team and also for Ryan Saunders and the coaching staff. And basically the, the hand that Ryan Saunders has been dealt over the past year plus is, you know, 16 months or so, not quite even that long since he was named the full-time head coach, permanent head coach. And the roster turnover, the injuries, obviously the COVID-19 hiatus, and now this weird camp without a couple of the best players and this free agency, you know, no Juancho, no Malik Beasley for most of it, restricted free agency hanging over. And how many guys that were in this camp won't be on the training camp roster? You know, Keelan Martin's going to be a free agent. Jordan McLaughlin's, a, both those guys coming off two-way contracts could could go elsewhere. Um you know, there's, there's just a handful of changes that could still take place. The off season hasn't even happened. So it's just been this very weird last year plus. And Rosas offered, you know, a few valid, I don't want to call them excuses, valid reasons for why Saunders and his staff deserves some, some credit for this program they put together for the in-market bubble and, you know, what the next steps are going to be. And, um, then John Krasinski points out in the article, very, this is also valid that, 
at some point Saunders will be evaluated on winning percentage and the early returns weren't good last year. Now the team was 10 and eight before they hit a wall and then Towns got hurt during that losing streak. And then the team started to trade off pieces, Jeff Teague in January, then the subsequent trades before the deadline Towns came back and got hurt again. We all know Towns and Russell played one game together. So assuming these guys stay healthy and the Towns, you know, situation gets ironed out with his apparent unhappiness or whatever is going on there. We don't know what this offseason is going to look like. We don't know what will happen with the number one pick, but Saunders deserves a year where he's got essentially, I mean, he's hopefully going to have two healthy stars in Towns and Russell. He's going to have some other pieces and then Rosas and company can start to really evaluate the job Saunders has done. Um, there was some clamoring, you know, one of my, actually my co-editor at Dunking with Wolves, Dylan Jackson has been beating the Mike D'Antoni drum now for months and D'Antoni's still a free agent as a coach. He's going to receive some consideration in Indiana for the Pacers job. He was a, a candidate for the Philadelphia job that went to Doc Rivers late last week. But I don't think it makes any sense to move on from Saunders at this point. You, I mean, Towns apparently likes him. Why upset Towns more? Why you know upset the apple cart more and give him yet another new coach? Just let let this happen. See see how Russell and Towns fit in Saunders' offense. See what Pablo Prigioni can do as the offensive coordinator. Assuming David Vanterpool doesn't get hired away, he has interviewed for a couple of jobs: the Pacers' job, the uh, the Rockets' job. Assuming that he doesn't leave, let him work with the defense. Let him work with D'Angelo Russell. Let Prigioni work with Russell again, and see what happens. Um, and that was basically the point Rosas was making in this article. Another piece: uh, Chris Hine again at the Star Tribune spoke to Brian Saunders, and Saunders talked about how important the in-market bubble was for team chemistry, for team bonding, for growing together as a team. In addition to implementing the offense and the defensive schemes making sure everybody was up to speed on those. That was also part of it, obviously. Uh, but also these team building initiatives, there were a couple of different social justice type uh, activities that the Wolves took part in. Um, there were some Zoom calls with leaders within, I believe, the Black Lives Matter movement and other social justice causes, uh, racial injustice, uh, You know, groups dealing with racial injustice. So I think the Wolves, it seems like, based on what we know about what went on in the bubble, that they did a good job with this. And so kudos to them for that. We don't, have much information about, they were pretty tight lipped about who was actually in the bubble and involved and basically were piecing things together based on the content that was offered from the video team. And, and who knows if, if Russell and or Towns and or Beasley and or Hernan Gomez, if those guys had all participated fully, perhaps there would have been some more access, but the team was, uh, I guess, understandably a little bit more guarded about the actual content that was put out in terms of B-roll and highly edited video and, and pictures and very limited recaps. So, um, you know, it, it's a little unfulfilling. I had hoped for more. We talked about that on the show a couple of weeks ago. I had hoped for more content coming out of the bubble, more stuff that we could hang our hat on. But as it is, we've got six weeks or so, just on, just over six weeks until the draft. We're almost halfway through the NBA finals. So the off season is on us, is, is about to be upon us. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens next. All right. Next up, I want to talk about that draft prospect who's likely a top 10 pick, but almost certainly not a top three pick who is making a case for being drafted number one and making a case for the Timberwolves specifically. Obviously the Wolves have the number one pick, but he spoke to playing with Russell and Towns as well. We'll talk about who that draft pick is and is there any way or draft prospect is, and is there any way he actually ends up in Minnesota here coming up next? Before we do that, let's talk about our title sponsor of today's show, and that's Built Bar. Built Bar is new and improved and, believe it or not, more delicious than ever. There were already 12 amazing flavors of Built Bar. Again, this is the protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar. My favorites are the original flavors, toffee almond, 
raspberry, mint brownie were all amazing. There's now six brand new flavors and they all, again, taste exactly like a candy bar, but even better than ever. Those six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, apple almond crisp, carrot cake, and lemon almond cheesecake. All Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're perfect if you're health conscious, if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are all low calorie, low sugar, high in protein and high in fiber, and perfect if you're on a keto diet. Right now, for a limited time only, you can get a free cooler with your purchase. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 10 bucks off your next order. And if you've ordered before, you can order again Use that promo code locked on. You'll get, still get $10 off your next order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Okay, let's talk NBA draft. Before we get to the prospect that says he wants to go number one, let's talk about the prospect who many people, including myself, think will go number one, and that's LaMelo Ball. He had spoken to reporters last week, and, and we talked about this on the show that that he, the only team that he admitted that he's spoken to was the Knicks. And that was before the draft lottery. And when he was asked if he'd spoken to the Timberwolves, his exact quote was, I don't know. No. So the Wolves haven't spoken to him yet. And Jace Frederick of the St. Paul Pioneer Press spoke to Ball and asked him about the fit with the Wolves. And he said about, about the fit with the Wolves, Ball said, definitely feel like that would be a nice fit. I feel positive everywhere I go. I feel like I can make a good impact anywhere I go. And then he went on to talk about how important it is for point guards to make plays and being the number one pick has always been a goal of his, uh, but he didn't speak much else specifically about the wolves. I, I mean, initially, and, and I've kind of run the gamut on this from when we first started talking draft back after COVID hit in March, I didn't like him as an, as, as a fit with the wolves. Now that the wolves have the number one pick, I, I believe that he is the best talent available in this draft and can actually does fit with the wolves. I've talked about that really at length. Um, there is another prospect who will almost certainly be a top 10 pick, but almost certainly not be a top three pick who's trying to make a case for himself being the number one pick. That's Isaac Okoro from Auburn. He was asked this week in an interview with Adam Zagoria from Forbes about if he should be the top overall pick. His direct quote, I'll read this here from the Forbes article by by Adam Zagoria. Okoro said, quote, yes, I feel I should be the number one pick because I go out every game and I compete and I give 100% effort. I'm just willing to do whatever any coaches want me to do. So I feel like me bringing a winning culture, I should be the number one pick. He also said specific to the Timberwolves, not just the number one pick, but with the Wolves, he says, quote, I could see myself fitting in there playing with D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns. I feel like I could come in there and play my role, do whatever the coach needs me to do in the game and just win. His agent went on to say that every team in the NBA has reached out for Isaac Okoro. I mean, he says he says every team, which I guess is possible, all 30 teams, including the Timberwolves. And in the article, the, the agent goes on to talk about how he can play one through four. He can, um, you know, he, he's been uh, a, a producer at every level, AAU, high school, college, et cetera. He doesn't care about some of the extra stuff, money, cars, jewelry, women, et cetera, but he just wants to win. And, uh, you know, there's some other good quotes in here from executives, from Bruce Pearl, uh, the, the coach of Auburn of course, is just a bit biased. Seth Greenberg said, who's now an ESPN uh, contributor, obviously the former coach, loves his defense, says he can defend multiple positions and likes comparing him to OG Ananobi uh, because OG Ananobi was a good defender from day one, but didn't shoot the ball. And then he figured out how to contribute offensively. That's not a bad comp for a Koro or a Koro. I, I don't know why I have such a tough time pronouncing that. Um, but at any rate, I, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see the confidence in it that Okoro has that he definitely believes he's the best player in the draft. And 
as we talked about just, uh, I guess this was probably two weeks ago because he is number eight on my big board. So we, we've, we're midway through big board 2.0. We talked about his size. He's six, six with a six, nine wingspan. I compared him a little bit and, and favorably to Luke and Bahamute. He's a little smaller than Bahamute. Bahamute was, I think he was six, eight, a little bit bigger, bigger wingspan and, and much more of a four than anything else. But I think Okoro's got more of an offensive upside. He can do more in transition. He's he uh, profiles as as just having a little bit more to his offensive game. And the other comp that I gave for him is if he develops a shot, he could be a Jeremy Grant type player. We keep hearing about Jeremy Grant as a potential target for the Wolves this offseason. Um, and if Okoro can add a little bit of a shot somewhere between an OG and an OB and a Jeremy Grant, somebody who can play the three, play some four, guard one through four, contribute certainly in transition as a cutter. He's an intelligent player on both ends of the floor, plays hard. And um, if he adds a little bit of of offense, then that's a bonus. Now with the number one pick, you don't want to say that about the guy you're drafting number one overall. You don't want to say if he adds offense, that's a bonus. And so for really for that reason, if I'm going to boil it down to, to really kind of just to sim- simplify things. That's why he's not gonna be the number one pick because there isn't confidence in what he can do offensively outside of being a good cutter and scoring in transition. He doesn't put the ball on the floor. He's not a very good shooter, but there is the upside if those things improve and, and you gotta love the confidence he's showing. He thinks he should be the number one pick. He thinks he should be considered the best prospect in this draft and, and great things being said by all kinds of other people as well in this article at Forbes. So go check that out. I, I do really like him as a prospect and I truly believe he could be a trade back target for the Wolves if they were to deal with, uh, you know, say the Knicks at eight, which I think is talked about is pretty unlikely, or maybe it's the Hawks at six or somebody at nine, 10, 11. Um, I think Okoro is probably going to go somewhere in that I don't think he goes higher than five, but I don't know that he falls past eight. He's somewhere in the five to eight range is typically where we've seen him mocked. And and a guy like him who can step in and be a, a lockdown defender with athleticism and size, in a draft like this, a team may take him early, may really like him as a prospect because there is some real upside there. Um, whereas a guy like Anthony Edwards, understand his upside is higher and he can do more offensively now, a lot more offensively. But the motor isn't there with Edwards like it is for Okoru. The size is even a little bit, it's it's similar. The athleticism, maybe he's not quite the athlete that Edwards is, but but the motor is such a big deal. And you know he can be a lockdown defender because of his size, what he's shown in college and his motor. You don't know Anthony Edwards can be that. And I'm not, I'm not saying Okoru is a better prospect. I mean, he's eight on my big board, Anthony Edwards is too. But Okoru is the type of guy who has those tan- intangibles that a guy like Edwards doesn't have in addition to the athletic profile, to the know-how, to the defensive IQ. Um, And I think for that reason, he probably ends up going in that five to eight range and doesn't fall any further than that. All right, that's all we have for you in today's show. A reminder, this is a daily podcast, Monday through Friday. So we'll be back on Tuesday as we continue Big Board 2.0. We're at number 17, which of course is where the Wolves will have their second first round pick of this year's draft. So be sure to tune in to Tuesday's show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. A reminder, today's show was brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 10 bucks off your next order. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.